Today's episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement ring launches on January 18th, that's today, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast network on Twitter at Locked on NFL Pod. Subscribe to Locked on NFL wherever you find podcasts. And, of course, check me out every day on the Locked on Packers podcast, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And this is a great week to do it because the Packers are going to the conference title game. The conference title game matchups are set. It's going to be Packers, Bucks, and Chiefs, Bills after a wild divisional round. We've got big injuries to discuss. Patrick Mahomes' status could be in question for these games. And Drew Brees may have played his final game in the NFL. Let's dive right in with the biggest stories from our local experts. It was the last matchup of the weekend, the matchup that set everything into place for Championship Sunday. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers take down the New Orleans Saints 30-20, to and that means Tom Brady, again, he goes to the conference championship game. All this guy does is go to the conference championship game. David Harrison from Locked on Bucks joining me now. And David, we... Tom Brady joked that this was a matchup that belonged on the History Channel. And in the end, it was really Drew Brees who ends up going extinct here. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, you know, earlier this week, you know, Ross Jackson and I, of course, did our crossover on the network, Locked on Saints, Locked on Bucks. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, flat out, if Drew Brees has to go out of his career a loser, if he can't go out on top, which of these quarterbacks are still eligible to beat him? Do you want to see him lose to if you have to choose you know what I mean? Kind of choose your own bullet type of thing. And he chose Tom Brady. You know and I mean, and and it's it's just it's a classic matchup. It's two classic quarterbacks. I mean, it's, you don't have the history of, you know, Brady and Manning. Uh, but we were kind of talking before we went to recording. You know what I mean? Having Tom Brady in the NFC this year has has allowed the opportunity to have some of these matchups. And I mean, Drew Brees facing Tom Brady three times in his final season. That's just that's that's the way you want to see great players go out of their of their sport. If this is indeed it is going out against the best, even if they have to lose doing it. Yeah, and this was very Patriots-esque in in this way. Tom Brady, under 200 yards, Mm -hmm. six yards an attempt. But the defense, they get three interceptions. They force the critical fumble on Jared Cook when it looked like the Saints were going in to extend the lead. And they score 21 points off those turnovers. And Brady makes the big throws when he needs to make them. I mean, this, this is not necessarily the team that they've been all season. But in a way, you know, it is a fitting coda. After they lose to the Saints twice, they come back and they're able to put together with this formula, the formula Brady has used for 20 years Mm -hmm. (laughs) to win this playoff game. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's kind of been, you know, that's that's what makes Tom Brady such a great quarterback is he's the kind of guy 
that you know that when he when he when the team needs him to turn it on or when they need him to get fired up and get in people's butts and, and all that stuff, you know he's capable of doing it. But at the same time, he just he just kind of brings this confidence to his group. And you see to, into this game today, I mean, it's it's a lot of young players. Mike Edwards is a young player, and Antoine Winfield Jr. a rookie, Devin White in his first career playoff game. It's a lot of young guys out here making these plays, but every single one of them to a T will tell you that the the atmosphere around this locker room or in this team in 2020 is so much different than it has been before just because of what Tom brings to the building and in the locker room from a leadership standpoint and work ethic standpoint and just the the attitude of you're never out of it. You're always in it because, I mean, early on in this game, previous versions of this Buccaneers roster, even with a lot of these players still on the team, this Buccaneers team would have shut down, which is why they weren't yeah. playoff caliber teams in the past. So, I mean, even when Tom's not out there making the play physically himself because, I mean, Every just like you kind of pointed out there, every single touchdown drive that the Buccaneers had in this divisional round matchup came off of a turnover. They only had field goals on their own, and they didn't have much of those anyway. So, just kind of the atmosphere and the inspiration, I guess if you want to call it that, the motivation he provides helps drive the rest of the team. So, even when he's not throwing for three hundred yards of five touchdowns, his impact is felt across the board. The other thing is, and and you referenced this a little bit. The best players on this Bucks team outside of Tom Brady, I mean, Shaq Barrett and Mike Evans and and Chris Godwin, a lot of these guys, Devin White, even Levante David, who's a veteran, they haven't been in these playoff battles. Tom Brady has, Rob Gronkowski has, Jason Pierre-Paul has, Bruce Arians has. They're the stabilizing factor here. The question for next week, though, after we saw what Aaron Rodgers and company did to the number one Rams defense with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, albeit not at 100%, we're probably not going to get a repeat of the game that we saw earlier in this season. If the Buccaneers can't get the turnovers and they use them the first game against the Packers, if they can't get the turnovers, do they have enough offensive firepower to go into Green Bay and score enough to win? I mean, I'm going to say, yes, they could. <laughs> Obviously, your chances go down. You know what I mean? If you can't take the ball away from Aaron Rodgers at least once or twice in that game, your chances go significantly down of, of beating him in any environment, in any situation, let alone at home and in that weather and in that stadium. I mean, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, just he's on a whole other level when you're in Lambeau and then playoff Lambeau and winter Lambeau is just a completely different level as well. So you you obviously need those those turnovers and and. To think that the Buccaneers defense is going to be able to to get those for a, for a second time this season, you you don't ever want to get so overly confident that you want to go f as far as to predict those kinds of things. But it is something that could happen, I suppose. It's in the realm of possibility, right? Um, the thing sure. that the thing that I like about this is that again, kind of going back to what we were just talking about, none of these guys. You, know, you look at Mike Evans, one catch for three yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's that's reminiscent of some of his stat lines from earlier in this season. Um, right. he's not he was basically a tight game. end, a goal line tight end. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to come out of this game frustrated, down, hanging his head. You know what I mean? He's going to come out of this game pumped, energized, and ready to get back out on the field and face guys like Jair Alexander. Chris Godwin, you know, he had a bad, that bad drop in the end zone. I mean, guys like me, like if I make that catch, it's an amazing thing. But guys like Chris Godwin, that's what they're paid to go out there and do. Still four catches, 34 yards. Not an amazing stat line by any means. But you see Tom Brady, even after that rough wild card game that Chris had, he comes out here and targets Chris Godwin seven times. That's not going to go away. So these guys all know they're going to have another opportunity mm -hmm. to put it together, another opportunity to rise to elite talent. I mean, this is the NFC Championship game. You're not playing any scrubs in the NFC Championship game. And this team, I think, the Saints, I kind of go back to, and not saying this team is like the 90s Bulls, right? But you go back to that Michael Jordan team and getting past the, the teams like the Pistons, 
the, the Saints were the Pistons for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers squad. Now they're yeah. past them, so they're going to be operating on a whole new level of confidence. Here's the problem. A team this young playing with that much confidence can also go the other way. So it's going to be really imperative of these these veteran leaders and guys like Tom Brady who have been there, Ryan Jensen, who has more playoff experience than a lot of these guys, and of course the coaching staff to really get these guys to take that excitement and intensity that they have to go into Green Bay and focus it in a positive way. Yeah, and it, and it could work in their advantage too because they already dominated this team once. Yep. And so maybe if it's another matchup, you go in and the pressure gets to them a little bit and they start to second guess or whatever it is, the fact that they have those good memories of playing this team once, I think it, it could counterbalance some of those things of, Oh, they're young teams. And and sometimes young teams don't know what they don't know. Yep. Uh, forecast 25 degrees <laughs> as a high on Sunday, 40% chance of snow. So we could be in line for a classic. David, thanks, man. Absolutely. Before we move on, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Echelon. If you're like me, over the last year, your health and your wellness and your exercise routine has fallen by the wayside a little bit. And when it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can help you get there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their new Echelon Stride Smart treadmill. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. Unlike their competition, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members work out all at the same time. Right now, you can try Echelon Fitness Equipment at home for 30 days. Just go to echelonfit.com slash locked on. That's echelonfit.com slash locked on. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. There were plenty of hold your breath moments, but in the end, the Kansas City Chiefs merely held on 22 to 17. Joining me now to talk about it, Chris Clark from Locked On Chiefs. And Chris, we have to start with the scary scene in the second half. Patrick Mahomes on a little uh, option play to the right takes a big hit, stumbles to get up. It turns out he's got a concussion, and now we don't know what his status is going to be moving forward. I, I'm not going to ask you to predict the future. I'm not going to ask you to, to dig into the injury part of it. Let's just say Mahomes can't go. What does that do for this team? Can they go and beat a team like Buffalo without Patrick Mahomes? You know, if you would have asked me that two weeks ago, I probably would have told you no. Uh, but honestly, after watching Chad Henney play the rest of this game, I think that it's possible. Uh, he would have to play lights out. He cannot throw a pick like he threw in this game. Absolutely not. But the big thing, and, and honestly, there was a you know, hold-your-breath moment when Mahomes went out, and then there's another hold-your-breath moment when Henny is running for his life <laughs> at the very end of the game, trying to get a first down, and he ends up like a half yard short. And he gets his head driven into the ground as he's going down, and you're sitting there going, well, God, are they going to have a QB that can play the rest of the game regardless? Uh, that was my first thought. And then 
for Andy Reid to do what Andy Reid did and to actually make a play call on fourth and one from your own side of your 50, man, that guy has a lot more guts than I expected him to because in the past, Andy Reid would have punted that ball. Uh, now, if Patrick was playing, maybe he goes for it. But at the same time, if Patrick was playing, I'm pretty sure Mahomes had the first down by quite a bit because he's a lot faster than Henny on that play. Yeah, and and one of the reasons why, if they can pull off uh, the win, if Mahomes can't play, and again, we do not know the status of of Mahomes as of this recording, and we probably will not know his status for at least a couple days. It's going to take a, a few days yep. at least to get through concussion protocols. But this really quick, I I just want to throw this out there. He did run off the field into the locker room, so he did. That is a little bit of a good sign. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, no. I want to throw that out there. Yeah, and and we don't, you know, we don't want to, you know, read too much into body language doctoring and stuff like that. The, the the concussion thing is especially weird, and you might not really feel the effects of it for a day or two, even. So, yep. but this defense, they hold the Browns, who had been rolling and had just rolled over a really good defense in Pittsburgh a week ago. They hold Cleveland to seventeen points. Tyron Matthew was a man possessed in this game. Um, the the front was able to create some pressure. Chris Jones got his hands in the passing lanes. What have you seen from this defense? Because in the second half, you know, th- there was maybe some some oil leaking a little bit of the season. But in this game, this looked like the, the championship level defense we saw last year. Well, I will say this. I think when you're watching Mahomes go down and you're a defense watching your leader go down on the field, I think it completely changes the way you play. And I think that's part of what it is. Uh, Because honestly, I think that Kansas City probably would have scored 35 points had Mahomes not gotten hurt. Because their defense was – the Cleveland defense was not stopping Kansas City at all. Uh, And Kansas City left four points on the board or on the field with a missed field goal and a missed extra point. Um, so honestly, I don't think it would have been that close of a game had Mahomes been able to stay. But then you you have him go out and you get guys like Tyron Matthew and you get guys like Chris Jones and you get guys like, you know, Anthony Hitchens is a captain on this team. I guarantee you those three guys were in everybody's face saying we're going to go do this for him. Yeah. And that's exactly what you have to do as a team. Yeah, and and that that works certainly in the game against the Browns. It might not over the course of a week when you have to go play a it's really true. good Buffalo team coming up here um, in a week. And so this is another AFC Championship game. This is three straight. This is a little bit old hat for a lot of these guys. Most of this team, let's just say everyone is healthy and, and Mahomes can go. Give me an early handicap of this matchup with Buffalo. What what can what can Buffalo do that that w- would worry you, and what do you think the Chiefs could do to counter it? You know, I think if Buffalo is playing their best game and Kansas City's playing their best game, I think it's going to be a shootout. Yeah, I I just look at it and I say it doesn't matter how good the defenses play; it's going to be a shootout because honestly, I don't think Buffalo's defense is as good as it was last year, yeah. uh, and I don't think they're as good as they were earlier in the season. Even um, I think they're slowing down just a little bit, but I you know that happens throughout the season. Kansas City's defense, I think, doesn't get enough credit. I think they're getting a little stronger. But I still think that it's going to be a shootout. But the one thing I will say is you have to remember these two teams played early in the season. Right. Kansas City just dominated that game. It was a one-score game at the end, but Kansas City dominated that game through three quarters, and then Buffalo crept back in in the fourth. I think that Kansas City has the ability to come out and take it to Buffalo, especially at home. 
the one thing that I worry about with Buffalo is, you know, all their receiving weapons. Uh, yeah, you know about Stephon Diggs uh, and you know about Cole Beasley, but the question is Cole Beasley hasn't looked like Cole Beasley the past couple of weeks. He's injured right now. Uh, and I think that that's a very tough ask for Kansas City to be able to defend him if he's healthy. If he's injured, I think they're going to be okay probably, but that would be the biggest concern for me uh, is Cole Beasley healthy because if you limit digs to a certain extent, I mean, even if you expect them to go for over 100 yards and a touchdown, that's not going to kill you if you can keep the rest of their weapons down. Yeah, and and their defense, they showed against Baltimore. They may not be play-to-play as good as they were last year, but that is still a ball-hawking group. They create turnovers, yep. and they can turn turnovers into defensive touchdowns. Right now, Bet Online has it. Chiefs giving three points in the AFC Championship game. So they clearly think Patrick Mahomes is going to play. I think all of us in our heart of hearts believe that he is probably going to play. Chris, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Peter. Thank you. To kick off the weekend, it was strength against strength, the number one offense against the number one defense, and offense prevailed as the Green Bay Packers put up 32 points, 484 yards in a 32-18 to win over L.A. Joining me now from Locked on Rams, Social Comengius and Sosa, were you surprised at how able this Packers offense was? Five of their first five drives they score. Were you surprised how able they were to move the ball against this Rams defense? Yeah, I was. You know, I expected a pretty good game out of Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he's a pretty good quarterback, if you guys don't know. (laughs) And, you know, that offense clicks at times. But when you look at some of the uncharacteristic things, you know, in this game from the Rams defense, I think that's what surprised me the most. It was a lot of missed tackles, you know, things that we haven't seen all season from the Rams. A lot of yardage after contact from guys like Aaron Jones. I mean, he was routinely getting hit and then gaining another three, four, five yards after contact. Um, You've seen some long rushes. I think the Rams didn't allow a play of 50-plus yards for, like, multiple weeks. And then I believe the Packers had over two, one rushing and one passing. So, you know, a lot of uncharacteristic play from the defense. And, you know, we were talking about it just a second ago, the number one defense. So, you don't typically expect the number one defense to go into a playoff game and put together maybe their worst performance all season. And um, it was a bad time for that. But, you know, things happen. And when you don't have your generational defensive tackle and Aaron Donald at full health, and he's essentially just kind of playing out there at 50% and look like, uh, you know, the dynamic changes and Aaron Rodgers took advantage. And, you know, it was definitely uncharacteristic just to see all the receivers getting behind the corners. There was at least three or four attempts where, you know, there was an overthrow, there was a drop, and then there was a Lazard touchdown where the Rams just don't get beat deep, not this right. season. And the Packers and Aaron Rodgers found a way to do it. So uh, they did a great job, you know, on offense. And it was just very weird to see the uncharacteristic play from the defense on the Rams side. Before we came on air, you said something to me. And uh, I, I, you don't have to repeat it verbatim, but this is a team that if they're going to get beat, you're going to have to score a lot of points because the Rams were the team left in the playoffs most capable. At least we thought of slowing this, uh, you know, this offense down with Aaron Rodgers, who's probably going to be, you know, the, a three-time MVP coming up here pretty soon. When you look around the landscape of of the rest of the playoffs, it seems like it's going to be tough to find someone who can slow this offense down if the Rams can't do it. Yeah, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be able to do it. You got Tampa Bay who has a much better offense and Tom Brady looks a lot more, 
you know, good at this point, I guess you could yeah, say. He looks for more like Tom Brady. Term. Yeah, he looks like a weapon still. But then their defensive side of the ball, you know, they're very talented, but I'm not sure that they can stop the Packers. And, um, you know, it must be weird because I know going uh, back to the offseason, people probably view this Packers offense as very flawed, right? And I'm mm-hmm. sure you covered it all season the Jordan Love pick and then not investing in the offense. And I mean, it's really worked out pretty good, it looks like. So uh, I don't think there's going to be defense that's going to stop them. I think at this point, if anyone's going to be able to knock off the Packers, you know, they're going to have to do it scoring 35 or, or, you know, beating them in a shootout type of game. And there are, you know, one team at least left in the NFC and then some in the AFC. But uh, the Packers, man, they look very dangerous. I think they're definitely going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. But uh, that's why they play the games, right? And, you yeah. know, I, I just look like Aaron Rodgers. Um, he's on a mission right now, and I just don't know how you can slow him down. Uh, I want to get back to something you said earlier about Aaron Donald out there at 50%. We're never going to know what percentage he was, and and he probably isn't even sure fully how, you know, how close to 100% he was. This is It's such a tough thing to figure out, but... We do have to give some credit to the Packers offensive line here, too, right? Because Elton Jenkins really played well. Um, Rodgers wasn't really under pressure all night. If there is a healthy Aaron Donald, though, that probably changes plenty about what this defense looks like. I think it definitely does. You know, um, the Rams claimed last week after the Seattle game that, you know, Cooper Cup, his knee injury was fine. And that's what they said. He was going to play. And then you looked at the video of him walking to the team plane on Saturday. And I mean, he couldn't even walk. He was barely walking. So I think they were kind of underselling, you know, the amount of pain and and I guess suffering you could say that Aaron Donald was in. He clearly looked like he had no business playing. But like you said, that offensive line did an amazing job because they had to block more than just Aaron Donald. And I mean, Aaron Rodgers just had all the time in the world back there. And if you're not going to pressure Aaron Rodgers, I mean, good luck trying to stop him. You've seen so many attempts where he would just drop back and he was just going through his progressions and no one got home. You know, Leonard Floyd was completely neutralized. Uh, Everyone else on that defensive line was neutralized. Guys that stepped up all season. Guys that stepped up in the absence of Aaron Donald last week against Seattle, right? Because he Mm -hmm. missed about a quarter and a half and that defensive line looked to have gotten better once he got knocked out. Uh, I don't know if they guys, you know, kind of put that chip on their shoulder there for the rest of that game. But in this game, it was just blanked. I mean, like you mentioned, Elton Jenkins, Superstar. I don't know what else you can say. He was taking care of Aaron Donald, uh, just a tremendous player. And I really thought that left tackle spot without Bakhtiari was going to get tested a lot more in terms of, you know, some blitzes and stunts and things like that to just test out the communication between Billy Turner, obviously sliding to that side. Uh, but man, they did a great job. I, I, I seen a funny tweet about it, it said, you know, there's going to be one less jersey to wash after this game because Aaron Rodgers was completely clean. <laughs> Yeah. And and if he's going to have time, he's going to dice you up. First time in uh, playoff history that a team has gone over 475 total, over 175 on the ground and not had a sack or a turnover. And they did it against the number one defense in the league. So, so thanks. Absolutely. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. You know them. You love them. They're the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And if you haven't tried them yet, you will soon know once you do that I'm not just making that up. That's not just ad copy that I have in front of me that I'm regurgitating. That is real. I've eaten them. I love them. I've had my wife try them. She loves them now. She's heard me read these ads hundreds of times. 
And I'm sure she, like you, like me, when I first read them, thought, this can't be real. There's no way these things are that good. Guess what? They are absolutely that good. Flavors like caramel brownie, German chocolate, peanut butter, the salted caramel I just had the other day. Unbelievable peanut butter brownie, also delicious. And what's amazing is they're actually good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber. It's the perfect snack for trying to get that little treat while not also blowing your whole day's worth of calories. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com for 20% off. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. NFC Championship game, AFC Championship game, Super Bowl coming up. Perfect time for you to get in on all the action with Bet Online. Sign up today for a free account at Bet Online and use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. That means you put money in, they match it up to 50%. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to get that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The Buffalo Bills are going to the AFC Championship game, and that is because they beat the Baltimore Ravens 17-3 on Saturday night. Joining me now to talk about what happened with the Ravens, Kevin Ostriker from Locked on Ravens. And Kevin, this is going to reignite the questions about Lamar Jackson in these playoff games, questions about this offense. He goes 14 of 24 for 162 and throws the back-breakingest of back-breaking interceptions that turns into a pick six when they had a chance you know, to get right back in this game and tie it at 10. What needs to happen here moving forward for this team to be able to compete with teams like the Bills and the Chiefs and maybe even the Browns moving forward? Yeah, Peter, it was a disappointing end to Baltimore season for sure. And, you know, to put things in perspective for this Ravens team, the offense as it's built right now cannot win a championship. I know that's a pretty a pretty harsh statement, but, you know, the Ravens, the top rated rushing offense, they get their yards in chunks on the ground and that's great. But sometimes their pass offense can stall out. Greg Roman has been the the receiver of much flack this season from, you know, the Ravens flock, Ravens fans, and even some players have had some discrepancies with Roman. Hollywood Brown earlier in the season saying, you know, quote, why have a soldier when you can't throw to him and you never throw to him? So, you know, there are issues with the Ravens pass offense. The route concepts are terrible. They're simple. Steve Smith on NFL Network after this game said his six-year-old daughter who was sleeping could have done a better job than Greg Roman. <laughs> so there's a lot going on with Baltimore's offense. And in this game in particular, you know, Lamar Jackson, there he had some plays where he did not make good decisions. He took, he took a sack early on Baltimore's first offensive possession where he should have just thrown the football away. Obviously, that pick six back-breaking interception, that 100-yard return, that, that was his first red zone interception of his entire career. That's usually something you don't see out of Lamar Jackson. But yep. if I had to place the blame on anyone or any unit in this game for the Ravens, it's the offensive line. The offensive line had by far their worst game of the season. And that's dating back to earlier in the year when Baltimore's offensive line didn't know what they were doing for you know, about three or four weeks there. Lamar Jackson had a free rusher in his face or somebody who beat a block. It seemed like one out of every three plays. And I don't care who you are. You know, maybe the Patrick Mahomes is of the world and some other elite, elite, elite tier quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and company. You know, if, there, if there's a free rusher, he can make some stuff happen. Even Josh Allen showed that 
on Saturday night that he could evade some free rushers. But the Ravens' offensive line just could not block. And the offseason, Baltimore has to retool. They're getting Ronnie Stanley back, which, is, which will be a big addition. Nick Boyle mm-hmm. coming back as that blocking tight end will be big as well. But long story short, Baltimore needs a center. Bad snaps plagued this team in the regular season. It plagued them again on Saturday night. They also need a number one receiver. Allen Robinson just seems like the dream fit in Baltimore. With the Ravens receivers as is right now, you cannot win you know, consistently, consistently and get far with a receiving core that has Marquise Brown as your first receiver and arguably Miles Boykin is the number two. They're good players, but the Lamar Jackson just needs more help. And when he gets that help, it will improve him. We saw what Buffalo, what happened in Buffalo when Stephon Diggs came there and helped Josh Allen. We saw what happened in Arizona when DeAndre Hopkins went there and helped Kyler Murray. Now it's Baltimore's turn to set up their quarterback for even more success going forward. Yeah, and I'm going to ask you this question because it's it's been sort of a, a running bit for me, and and for me it's for Packers fans who still complain about not having a receiver. I just wonder what this this Ravens team looks like if instead of Patrick Queen they took Michael Pittman Jr. or they took T Higgins or they took Lavisca Chenault or KJ Hamler or or Chase Claypool. Does this game go a little bit differently? Because to your point, they just don't have the pass catching juice and and they do have plenty of guys on this on this defense to to slow up. I mean, the, the Bills get 17 points and seven of them come out of their defense. The, the, the Ravens defense is the strength of the team. Yeah, I mean. There, there's always arguments as to you know what could have happened, and obviously looking if the Ravens do pick a receiver with that first pick in the 2020 draft instead of Queen. Look, Queen was Queen was a good player for Baltimore in 2020. I mean, him coming in as a rookie, not having a preseason, limited offseason, that affected rookies all across the league. But somebody I loved in the draft who was still available for Baltimore in 28 was T. Higgins. And just to you know kind of think about, man, well, what if Baltimore instead of Queen they go Higgins? You know, it's kind of trading out the defense for offense. Obviously, Baltimore's defense holds Buffalo to 10 points in this one. Obviously, seven of those points for the 17 out of Buffalo came on that pick six. But I I do think that the Ravens, you know, in this draft, there are plenty of big time names. You know, in the 2021 draft, I'm talking about, you know, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase. There, There were a bunch of guys. But honestly, again, I'll go back to Allen Robinson because if Baltimore has that veteran guy, the Ravens, you know, when 2021 starts up and they don't make an addition through the draft, if that's the route they go, they'll have three or four guys going into either their second or third year. So if you add on a rookie to that, that's five guys going into their third year or less out of probably six receivers Baltimore will probably keep on the roster. So moving forward, moving into the offseason, I think Baltimore is going to keep the four that they have, the four young guys. They're going to keep Brown, keep Boykin, keep Duvernay, and keep Prochet. But then they need to find a stud pass catcher, whether it's free agency, whether it's through trading. Oh, hindsight, the Ravens were involved in DeAndre Hopkins in those DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes, and then Houston decides to trade him to Arizona. The Ravens were involved. They need to get involved, you know, with a few other receivers on that front. Is Adam Thielen going to become available? Do the Ravens make that swing for Allen Robinson? They need a couple veteran leaders. They brought in Des Bryant, and he did wonders for that room. So having a couple of stud veterans, like an Anquan Bolden back in the day for Baltimore, would be phenomenal. Yeah, I love the idea of Allen Robinson for uh, Baltimore. Give him a chance to go compete and and you know, play in the playoffs. He's a, a stud and has never consistently had good quarterback play. 
Although, to be fair, that was his choice. The Packers made him an offer and he picked Chicago. Kevin, thanks for your insight. Thanks so much, Peter. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Ross Jackson and Luke Braun to take you into Conference Championship Sunday. We'll get the latest on all the injuries coming out of the weekend. We'll figure out what the status is of Patrick Mahomes. The word out of the Chiefs locker room after the game from Andy Reid was that he was doing well, but we just never know. As I said in that conversation, you just never know with head injuries. He could wake up tomorrow and really feel bad, really be be dealing with, you know, all kinds of issues. This head trauma thing is no joke. And we we can't just take, oh, he feels good out of it. It just doesn't work like that. So it's something to keep an eye on, although I do think everyone expects he will play. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast network on Twitter at locked on NFL pods. Check out Locked on Packers all week, particularly important this week as the Packers get set to take on Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. And make sure you stay Locked on NFL.